Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Oh, hello. There's something. What am I sitting on? I'm sitting on a catalogue. Oh my god, it's all gardening tools. This is what I love about living in the countryside, listeners. Oh my god, luminous coats for dogs. Anyway, that's not why I've called you here, listeners. How are you? Uh, Welcome to another delightful episode of Homo Sapiens. I've just done that thing where I look down at the room I've walked into. There's a little trail of mud coming towards me. I'm taking off my slippers. Yes, I went outside in my slippers. Should I have? No. Do I want to admit to wearing slippers? Maybe. I'm sniffing. Mm. I think it's mud. He says, hopefully, knowing that probably it's not. We're going to ignore that now, though, because we've got much better things to be chatting about, namely the wonderful, wonderful Simon Amstel on the episode this week. Now, Simon Amstel is a comedian. He is a writer and he's a film director. You may have first heard of him as the presenter of T4's Pop World. Do you remember that? He did it with Makita Oliver. That's how I was introduced to him as a young whippersnapper. Then he presented Nevermind the Buzzcocks. And he's a very specific wit, is Simon. What was fascinating about those pop world days, it was actually kind of subverting the relationship that television had with celebrities and musicians. It wasn't very deferential. It kind of took the piss out of them. And it spawned a lot of imitators. Simon was the kind of birth of that style, really. Switched things up quite some time ago. But you sort of still feel tendrils of it, I feel like tendrils didn't see myself using that word today one of the many things that simon does is uh, stand-up comedy and he's got a new stand-up tour it's called spirit hole and he's touring the uk until the 9th of november so he did us the honor of popping by to say hello and um, we talk about so many brilliant things I, th- I think what i love about simon is in a post that kind of pop world buzzcocks era where he was a really famous tv presenter frankly He's always gone off and done really interesting individual projects. So he did a wonderful um, film called Benjamin that he directed, sort of about intimacy, really, and a sort of portrait of a gay couple. Well, they're not a couple. It's about two people in that fledgling beginning of a relationship and is it going to work and dealing with the detailed neuroses of meeting people and being a queer person in love I suppose you know he's he's spoken really openly and honestly which is always something I love about depression about taking magic mushrooms and how that has changed his life doing ayahuasca and how that has opened up a lot of locked up things in him that has been really helpful and 
it's always such a laugh chatting to Simon. Like, he's really funny. He won't take anything seriously in some ways, in a way that I adore. He's always sort of looking at it from another angle and questioning it. And that's what makes him great fun to be around. So uh, this is such a brilliant chat. And I think you're... I think you're really going to enjoy it. And there's loads to learn. His stand-up is always really funny. And he's written a book called Help. His little autobiography is very funny too. So have a listen. Go and see him on tour. You can go to... I've got it written down here. You can go to simonamstall.com and you can find your dates and you can find your tickets and all of the above. Go and see him. You won't regret it. And here is our delightful chat with Simon Amstall. Simon, you come to us with your new show, Spirit Hole. Let's do the business end first. Tell us a little about it, if you can. So it's a stand-up show. It's coming to a theatre near you. It's all about shame and that sort of thing. Perhaps you can relate, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) You're picking it up. Yeah, I can. Yeah. A lot of it is about me going to Peru, drinking ayahuasca, and then getting rid of all my shame by entering my spirit hole. When you're sitting down... Or standing at a standing desk, thinking, I'm going to do a new show. Where do you start from? What makes you land on an idea? So it doesn't happen like that at all. What happens is I have a problem Mm -hmm. that needs to be solved. (laughs) And it's usually some mad thing in my mind that I can't figure out what to do about. And then through talking about it on stage... I slowly realise, as people laugh at me, that I've been being a bit silly. And then I managed to shed a load of old skin through doing these shows. And by the end of the Mm. show, so I start, so in this show, I'm, you know, I'm a bit scared about getting older and I'm a bit terrified of responsibility and uh, commitment and my entire future. And by the end of the show... I'm just in this blissful space of great joy about everything that's about to happen in my life. So it doesn't really get written at a desk. It gets edited at the desk, but it gets written on stage pretty much. What, so you do it in like small shows? Yeah, so I go in front of um, small small audiences of, of around like 100 people who have paid £5 maybe, and they know it's a work in progress show. So I'm allowed to fail. I'm allowed to be not very funny at all for an hour or so and um Mm. but through the energy of that room I end up being quite funny or at least a bit interesting or at least lost and deranged and any of those are quite entertaining (laughs) they're all worth a fiver yeah right is what else you gonna do I mean there are a lot of podcasts to listen to but I would say it's a fun (laughs) night out um so yeah and I can sort of go on stage with not it's a bit more than bullet points, but it's I'll have written down like the park story, for example. Then I'll you know Yeah. And that will be something something happened there that was like confusing or painful or new. Mm-hmm. And so there's I feel like oh there's something in there. I feel like there's something that is worth exploring. And I might have like one one or two funny lines. I think, oh well that will be when I hit that, when I get to that part of the story, at least there'll be some laughter there. And we can all relax. But in the telling of the entire story, I had to start from the beginning and lots of new funny lines come up. And I'm recording the whole show. And then uh, later I'll listen to it and, and, and see what was funny and what wasn't. And then, and then slowly it becomes this show where every line is funny and everything's in the right order. And, you can, and it has a beginning, middle and end. 
and uh, there's usually come some kind of personal spiritual journey that I've been on. And uh, yeah, I think it's. I think this might be the this might be the best one I've done. I think you said that you start with trying to solve a problem. What do you think the problem mm. was this time around? That I'm gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fucking problem. Do you know what? Like, I... You're on to something there. That I was going to, yeah, age and die. That mm. seemed to be quite upsetting. But I feel all right about it now. Do you? Yeah. It just took a few magic mushrooms and then I was all right. Interesting. I took some magic mushrooms, but I didn't worry any less about dying. Maybe I didn't take enough? What was your intention? Did you do it in a ceremonial, intentional way? No, not at all. It was in a very kind of random surprise way that I actually thought they hadn't worked. So then I went to sleep. And then I woke up an hour and a half later. I woke myself up laughing because they just kicked in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this particular uh, ceremony, so I do it in this very ritualistic way where I set an intention. I think my intention was something like, show me complete freedom and joy. Okay. And what the mushrooms tend to do if you set an intention like that often is, is they show you everything, everything in the way of total freedom and joy. Wow. And so I was in Hampstead Heath with some friends and I ended up sat by a tree, slumped over, feeling myself as this very old man with this long beard. And it was clear that I was alone, insignificant. People, Actual real people were walking past and they didn't see me. Hmm. And I thought, oh, this is, this is what it's going to be. This is the end. And I realise it's not even significant that I'm about to die. It's not going to be a newsworthy event. Nothing I've ever done will last. I'm I'm just about to sink into the ground and decompose. And I felt myself doing that. And as I sank into the ground, it was upsetting, but it wasn't unbearable. And as as I began to feel myself decomposing... There was this feeling of oneness, I suppose, that now I was really actually part of something. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Finally. And it didn't matter. It was more than it didn't matter. It was like, of course, this is just what's going to happen and it's fine. Hmm. What else do you want to happen? I felt much better after that. So I I think I'm all right. I think I'm all right with death. (laughs) Wow. It's really fascinating because... I don't know whether, like, I'm 39. You know, I'm sure that a lot of people listening will be like, shut up, you're young. And a lot of people will be like, actually, you're really old. But there is something about that at that point in your life, and, and 40 is the midlife crisis, right, where something happens. And I was always like, I will never have a midlife crisis. I think it's the biggest bit of bullshit in the world. You know, that was like my deep feeling but actually when you get to about 39 you do hit some kind of period in your life where you're not young anymore you know like you're not instantly assumed to be the to the youngest opinion on this thing or oh what do the kids think you know what I mean you're so used to like chiming in with that and it is really discombobulating I mean what a privilege to be alive to 39 in the first place lots of people don't get that far but it's a strange period where where death feels very real for the first time in some respects yeah 
Well, 39 is when I started writing this show. Really? <laughs> this will be a funnier podcast if I talk about the, the crisis. I went for the solution a bit too soon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the crisis. Oh, thank you, Chris. <laughs> well, it was very difficult. And I think it's, I don't think it was coming from anything within my natural self. I think the culture has a problem with hmm. people getting older. So even if, and I'm 41 now, and people will say, well, you don't look 41, which that sounds like a compliment. But all they're saying is, we well, don't look 41 now, maybe. But when you do, that will be disgusting. Yes. <laughs> And so it's really difficult to... When I was in the rainforest um, recently, (laughs) um, I looked around and there was nothing, nothing in the rainforest suggesting that getting older was a problem. So it's here, it's here. We're sold anti-aging products. Mm. And that's an odd thing. And then you, you, you feel like it's a problem that needs to be solved. And you think about like, like I was talking to a friend the other day because I'd like to now just like embrace being an adult man. But I was talking to a friend about maybe growing a beard. Mm. And he said, if you grew a beard, you'd look like a child in a disguise. <laughs> Any other key points along the breakdown? Did I say I went to Peru? Yes. You went to the rainforest. The reason I was in that rainforest was because I was on an ayahuasca retreat. Yes. And during one of those ceremonies, I ended up naked. <laughs> Dancing like a lunatic, pounding my chest, making wild animal noises that I didn't know I was capable of. And my the reason the show is called Spirit Hole is because my finger made its way towards a, a, a new hole that seemed to be opening up. <laughs> Where was the hole, Simon? Where was the hole? <laughs> well, it was, it was sort of around the perineum. I mean, it was the perineum. It was it was that. The perineum famously is the bit between your balls and your bum hole. There we go. Thank you for explaining to the people just in case. Or if you or if you don't identify as a man or whatever, that spot. The perineum is pretty uh, universal, I would say, no matter what's going on, right? Correct. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> it's because I said balls and then I was like, I shouldn't assume it's just, you know. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, but yeah, so then hole in perineum, finger. In reality, my finger was just pressing against the perineum. Mm-hmm. But I had a vision through this psychedelic plant medicine of my finger going into a new hole. Mm-hmm. And as I pressed my finger into that hole, <laughs> I made these loud orgasm sounds. Uh-huh. So loud that the woman next to me in the circle made this noise. <clears throat> <laughs> 
I'm not supposed to be having orgasms in the ceremony. <laughs> and uh, it was clear that the um, the ceremony was giving me like this question, which was, or the medicine was asking, what's more important to you, pleasure or shame? Mm-hmm. And if I went for the pleasure, it was, you know, if I pressed my finger in, rainbows flew out of my bottom i felt incredible but it was embarrassing you know because i'm in like this very serious ceremony for a while i thought i could just get away with it because people are throwing up and crying and having their own experience Mm. but when it got to quite near the end of the ceremony there was no singing no chanting nothing it was just me having multiple (laughs) orgasms you're in your rainbow bum yeah i somehow managed to um accept the pleasure of the moment rather than worrying about what anyone thought. And I cleared my body of all the shame that I think it had been carrying from the point that I started to realise that I might like boys. So Mm. I recommend this retreat if you need it. (laughs) You know, it's very funny what you're saying, but there is also a lump of truth in, in the middle of it, which I love, which is that, you you know, this hallucination came to you. It's constructed by your brain because we are taught so much shame about uh, anal sex, gay sex, how you do it, all of that stuff. And it's so interesting that when you go into another space like you do on a hallucinogenic, that your finger physically makes its way to that area, you know, and goes, this is the thing that needs to release. Because we, I mean, I don't even know what happens now, but we certainly you and I certainly were not taught it in school. No, we weren't. <laughs> no, we weren't. No, why weren't we taught? <laughs> Perineum pushing. Yes, of course. You mean during during sex ed? No, we weren't taught yes. it. But, sorry, it was funny to me that you were suddenly saying, you know, we had geography, we had maths. Where was the anal sex class? But quite ah. honestly, where was the fucking anal sex class? Because... It's happening, you know, like it's sort of um, and it it creates a lot of tension in other areas for people. Tension's the the wrong word, but you know what I mean? And um, I think it's really interesting that that's where you went. Yeah, I mean, I think it was about even more than just sex. I think it was about being 13 years old, getting a glimpse of who I might be, realising that was not going to be acceptable in Gantzill Essex. And then constricting myself hmm. until I was 21 when I came out. But then even beyond that, I, I, I don't know. Cause, because I, when I came out, I was, I kind of made it so that I would come out, but in a way that would still be quite acceptable to people. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to be any of the stereotypical ideas I had in my head. I didn't want to be promiscuous i was like really proud that i was having less sex than my straight friend dan (laughs) so proud so just elated about that and um you know all those all those words that like stopped me from just being a sort of free sexy being Mm. and um yeah it's taken me until really really quite recently uh to just feel completely free Mm. It takes a long time to unlearn all the stuff that you've been taught. And I think that's maybe what is interesting about being LGBTQ plus of any sort. And it can and it goes far beyond that. But like, I don't know, I, I was wondering if like, that's why I have a problem with aging, because it's like, I feel like I'm only working out who I am. And, 
you know, feeling that freedom or or, or recognising things that stood in my way that, that I had constructed, like you're talking about trying to be a certain kind of gay person who is more palatable to others, rather than just being like, well, actually, who am I? Mm. I think ageing might be tricky for anyone who has unaddressed trauma. I mean, ageing is difficult anyway. Yeah. But if you have this little kid inside of you whose pain hasn't been acknowledged, as you age, you get further and further away from the opportunity to be with that kid mm. and heal that pain. Mm. So I think that's why a crisis can happen. Or for me, that's what was going on, I think. I think that kid just started screaming a bit louder. Mm. And so I ended up going to New York on my own for six weeks and dyed my hair blonde. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And, um, I, you know, part of it was, you know, I... I thought I spent so many years trying to be accepted within this hetero patriarchy. It's finally time for me to be my actual true self, Mm. a wild, sexy blonde. (laughs) But, you know, in something so obviously a crisis, no one mentions it. (laughs) Oh, you've dyed your hair blonde. Yes, because I'm completely at ease. (laughs) And I went like, I went nuts in New York because I was trying to make up for lost freedom for lost time. And it was it was all too desperate. Like it could have been quite joyful and silly, but it, I was I was in like a real rush to to make up for lost time. And um, mm. it's only now that I've deconstructed it all and really looked at it and spent time with that kid. He's calmed down now. He's all right. He's okay because mm. I've looked at all, all the pain. I've 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 sat with it. I've spent time with that kid in Peru in therapy on magic mushrooms and um we're all right with each other now there's no panic Mm. and would you just explain a bit about what an ayahuasca trip is i feel like i've skirted over it a little and actually people might be like well what the fuck is ayahuasca so ayahuasca is this healing plant medicine that's been used for i don't know thousands of years by the indigenous people of peru and various other places to heal themselves and you sit in a circle with a group of people there's a shaman or two a lot of people when they hear about it the throwing up that's involved comes up quite a lot but there's all different kinds of purging you are really purging all your shame pain and you can purge that in various different ways you can laugh cry yawn deeply and I did a bit of everything on this trip because it's very expensive. Yes. Sorry, that's Who's my that dog. dog. He's Normally okay. he stops. So you were saying you can yawn and stuff. Yeah. I mean, everyone's experience is very different. But if you surrender to the medicine, same with mushrooms, if you surrender, something can shift. If you allow it to happen, new ideas come up. New. St- <laughs> it's a funny noise. I'm really sorry. I think what happens is, as children and as adults to some extent, but if you're a kid, it really sticks, you tell yourself a story in a moment of trauma. Something happens and you tell yourself a story about that moment. And usually it's a story about what's wrong with you that means that this this thing is happening. Mm. So this violence that's occurring is a result of me not being lovable. And the reason we do that as kids is because that's actually less painful. The thought I'm not lovable is less painful than just life is totally unpredictable and anything can happen at any moment. 
So if you tell yourself a story mm. where it's you, where you're the problem, then great. Then you can change. Then I can become more lovable. Mm-hmm. I can become a brilliant mm-hmm. comedian who goes on tour every few years and, and everybody uh, loves him and I get uh, money and I get a house in London and I'm going to be okay. Whereas the truth is, what was going on when you were a kid isn't anything to do with how lovable you were. That was just to do with the people who were in the house with you. That was their stuff. Mm. And what happens in an ayahuasca ceremony, perhaps, is that story that you told yourself as a kid gets unpicked Mm. and you realize it wasn't about you needing to become more lovable. It it was about your dad (laughs) needing to be loved more when he was a kid. And actually you were always safe. One thing that came up in the ceremony for me was um, my, I felt my mum saying, I wouldn't have ever let anything happen to you. Wow. It just came up. Trauma is not about necessarily what happened to you. It's about the constriction that happened as a result of the story that you told yourself. Mm. And so you get to unpick all that trauma because you get to separate what happened from what you decided it meant about you. When you describe it, like it has that slight quality of like, tell me if this is wrong, but you know, when you go to like the osteopath and they're like, you're like, my back hurts. And they're like, well, actually, you'll find it's your big toe. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, really? And then they like click your big toe. And then you're like, oh, my back doesn't hurt anymore. But you know, the kind of the interlinking of experiences and how they express themselves throughout your life. And actually, the ayahuasca thing is is an un, an un, unpicking of that. They're cracking your big toe. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it, I would say. And is it something you need to do on your own? I think it's good to not be there feeling responsible for anyone else. Mm-hmm. So if you were there with your husband, for example, I imagine you would feel concerned about whatever he was going through. Yes. And unable to just be with yourself and do your own healing and also if you took a friend you might just giggle (laughs) yes you know what i mean i mean there's yeah sure sure yeah don't take a friend but you can giggle if you want i feel like you need to you need to embrace and be part of it and you know yeah yeah but you know what the medicine's so powerful there's no there's no way out really yeah if you're sat there with some irony you'll have a really terrible time the yeah the only choice really is to surrender and it'll you know it's it's so it's also so beyond anything that makes any sense in the world good luck with trying to make fun of it good luck (laughs) isn't simon wonderful are you having as much fun as i am i hope so this is the end of part one head over to the feed listen to part two with the wonderful simon amstel 
Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Powered by Spirit Studios. 